you know, Viagra works uh, well, uh, but the 30% of the population, it, it doesn't work. They need solutions. Hi, I'm Alex, and welcome to the X-Health Show, where I talk to visionaries behind the latest innovations in healthcare for the extra health of the future. We're at EPFL in Lausanne, where thousands of tech-savvy students enjoy their lunch in the sun with a view towards Alps across Lake Geneva. My guest today is Dr. Rodrigo Fraga, the CEO of Confia. He's been researching vascular biology and male sexual functions for over a decade. With a focus on pharmacology first, he switched to medical devices. Confia is a Swiss startup on a mission to overcome erectile dysfunction in spinal cord injury and post-prostatectomy patients. Their covers seem a neurostimulator can be implanted in the pelvic cavity to trigger penile erection with a remote control. You'll also hear about drug-resistant erectile dysfunction, recovery of damaged nerves after prostatectomy, and how does erection work in terms of neural pathways. Rodrigo, when we first spoke, you'd just had the first implant being implanted in a patient. But now I came here. I wanted to actually, actually ask about that implant, but I came here today and you just said that, you know, the second patient had the implant inserted today. How was it? How did the, the operation go? Yeah, indeed. Yes. So our team today is in, in Melbourne. So they did the second implantation and the implantation was wonderful. Everything went smooth and uh, which is great because this device is the first time somebody's implanted in, in a human before and it's for long-term implantation. Well, of course, there's a lot of uh, preparation behind that, you know, for the safety of the patient, for the, for the, all the procedure that needs to take in place. But it went very well, very well, more better than we expect, I would say. Okay, so we're speaking here, guys, an implant to restore erection. And we're speaking, well, in Melbourne, and who's actually the surgeon doing the operation. Yes, so so it's one of the greatest things that uh, Confia managed to do is to to partner with the, the best people in the world to do those trials. So we're starting uh, right now uh, this we are doing this trial in Melbourne, so in prostatectomy patient in Brazil. We start very soon in spinal cord injury patient, and as well in US, we should start uh, quite soon. We those we managed to connect to the best urologists in the world to do those tests. So we have uh, Dr. Tony Costello and Philip Dundee. So they're in the edge of uh, prostatectomy surgery and robotic surgery. So that's uh, those guys that we have. Uh, producing our trials. So uh, they are the best people in the world to do to, to conduct this work for us. All right. So we are now here in Lausanne and it's just after 10 a.m. And the the doctor actually is what going to sleep now in, yes. in Melbourne, yeah, right? Team, yeah. After <laughs> the surgery. You witnessed the first surgery, right? With with Dr. Dundee. Like how did that look like? Well, that, that, that's the thing. So we, we, the, the team there, it, it's specialists in robotic surgery. So they're in the edge of... So when robotic surgery started about 20, 15 years ago, Dr. Tony Cossell was one of the pioneers. So they know very well what they're doing. And actually it becomes a school in in robotic surgery. So it's a big center there. And what we did, so we came early, so we did a lot of preparation. We did the trainings. So they have a, a amazing setup for training. And as nobody did this before, so it's the very first implantation, everything's new. So then we studied together with, with them in Melbourne, how do you implant, how do you place the device, how do you suture, how you bring the device in. And, and, and for our surprise, uh, for the first implantation, everything went very smoothly. So the device uh, entered in via the trocar, because when you're doing a robotic surgery, you have those trocar for the, for the device to, to be inserted into the patient. So I would say it was a great preparation, a great teamwork altogether. Our team and the team, clinical team there that make everything very smooth. The system worked very well. So now we are waiting for the data, you know, the results that are coming next. Yeah. And when do you expect them? Well, in, in the coming months. So soon in the coming months, we should start having the, the first preliminary data being released by, by the investigators. What was the patient's condition? Like, what, what can you tell about the patient? Yeah, so we target uh, uh, different populations, right? There are, there are different groups because when you talk about erectile dysfunction, it's not one type of patient. So erectile dysfunction, it's a uh, it's, uh, uh, multi-etiology. So in Melbourne, we, we're targeting patients that are undergoing prostatectomy. So 
prostatectomy is the procedure when you remove the prostate to treat it prostate cancer. So when you do that, uh, it's inevitable that you damage the nerves. So you have a mechanical damage of the nerves and then it causes erectile dysfunction. So, that's so the, the nerves around the prostate. Exactly, yes. So w- what is erection? It's a process in the brain that triggers the neurosystem as, as many other functions in the body today. How does erection work in terms of the neural path that is involved there, because yeah. this is what we focus here on, sure. right? Yes. So, and and the, the directions, it, it, the mechanisms, is basic mechanisms are like that. So you have a process in the brain, the stimulation that trigger nerve response. These nerves they travel around the blood, the spinal cord, they, and then those nerves they travel around the the prostate. That's why when you remove the prostate, you damage the nerves, and then they go to the penis. When uh, the nerves they release uh, neurotransmitters there, so the main one is nitroxide. When those compounds are released, they cause vasodilation. So vasodilation is when the vessels they become bigger, so you have a bigger amount of blood in, into the into the organ. So then you have uh, engorgement. So this causes the mechanical reaction. So if I sum up, it's a neuronal and vascular response. That's why when you have etiologies that are related to neuronal, neurogenic uh, pathways, so it's damaging the neuronal response, you may have erectile dysfunction. Or if you have uh, a pathways that uh, damage the vascular function, you also can have erectile dysfunction. So that's, uh, that's why you have hypertension smoking, so on the vascular side, diabetes, or spinal cord injury on the neuronal side, prostatectomy uh, as well. So that's, that's are the two main axes for, for, for erection. And now you focus on two of them. Yeah, we start, let's say, in these two of them. So prostatectomy, why they have erectile dysfunction? Because you remove the prostate, you have to, because you need to treat uh, the cancer. And, and there's a good standard treatment for treating cancer. So you you, you remove the t- cancer, but then you have this side effect, erectile dysfunction. So we treat, we, we, we're recovering this, we are trying to recover this uh, uh, problem. The other one is a spinal cord injury patients. And, and it's the same, same principle. So you have a mechanical injury of the nerve, but in a different position. Position, so in in the in the spine, because of the same reason, so the the nerve response doesn't travel into the organ. Then you have erectile dysfunction. So we start there because what we do is a nerve stimulation therapy. So we stimulate the the distal portion of the nerve to elicit the response. But also we learned that there is a big other population that we can also target. We call it uh, today uh, generic ED patients. So patients that uh, are stopping use uh, oral drugs, Viagra, Cialis. So, and then the next therapy they have to use are quite problematic. So they have to use injections or penoprothesis, which is very painful. There are many problems with this uh, alternative. What are the problems? So injection, as you can imagine, every single time the patient wants to have sexual intercourse, he needs to inject with a needle. Yeah. Uh, vasodilators into mm-hmm. the penis. So it's very painful, uncomfortable. So there is hematoma. Doable, right? Because some doable, people do it. And doable. I mean, yeah. Many people do it. It's, it's a big bug because they don't have other solution. Right. So today there are many medications outside. So uh, the basics is uh, aprosadil, papaverin. So those are generic drugs and there are several formulations out there. But they have to use, there is no other option. Sure. Uh, pain, hematoma, and fibrosis over time is the main problem. And the second one uh, is penoprosthesis. Penoprosthesis is, is, is like a, um, a prosthesis you insert into the corporeal cavernous. Corporeal cavernous is the tissue of the penis, which looks like a sponge. So the doctor to implant this device, he needs to destroy the tissue, creates a cavity inside, inside the penis. And this prosthesis stay there. So you have uh, different models, like you same same rigid inflatable uh, devices. And inflatable, then, you're saying, inflatable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the patient can cause a mechanical erection. Mm-hmm. However, there are several complications for them. Uh, there is erosion, so and uh, then the, the you need to do revision of the, the of the surgery. Uh, there is a lot of uh, other problems related to that. So it's infection. There is a very high rate of infection. So the the companies now they're trying to solve this problem, but it's still compared to other implants, it's a very high uh, level. And there are also many other complications. It's an irreversible uh, procedure. So once you do that, as you destroy the tissue, you cannot revert anymore. So that's. Uh, it's uh, quite complicated. And to give a picture of that from the literature, say, of all elective patients for the implants, only today only 5% go for it because it's it's really a problem. I have, we have, uh, we're confident we interact with many people uh, recently and, and we have an interaction with a group in Canada called Praxis. It's a non-profit organization uh, helping uh, technologists to, to companies to bring technology to spinal cord injury patients. So we interact with them and we learn a lot. So, and what was interesting is uh, we, we met a few people, few spinal cord injury patients, and with the same uh, testimonials, they said, look, uh, I was using uh, Viagra, 
Now Viagra stopped working and I started uh, taking injections, but end up in the hospital a few times because of priapism. Priapism is when you have a very long erection and, 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 and it, at, the, at some painful. point it's painful and so on. So, and then he said, now I have indication for penoprosthesis, but I don't want to take penoprosthesis. So for you, if your device comes out to the market, it's, it's, it's great for me. Who, who are these people? Like, you know, what are the characteristics of them? Like spine injury, I can... You know, imagine it's mainly people who are active, you yes. know, in sports or exactly, yeah, yes. So it's it's a it's a specific population. So usually those uh, come from from injuries, right? So yeah, that uh, accidents that you can measure, motorcycling, you know, paragliding, other type of uh, risk activities or accidents, and and of course depends on the lesion of uh, of of uh, injury then the patient can lose certain types of uh, function. Of course, not all population will have erectile dysfunction and some uh, part will respond to oral drugs. Of the majority, they have erectile dysfunction and they're looking for therapy. And what you ask, it's uh, it's about who are they? So most of them are young patients. So about 70% of the patients are between 15 to 35 years old. So okay. very young and it's, uh, highly uh, you know active. Uh, the sexual life is, is highly active. Yeah. So this is very important. And and what triggers us, why, so why we have a special care about the, the, this population? is because they need, uh, they're looking for the solution. And uh, I, I can cite one interesting article that was released in, in, in a major journal. This was about uh, 10 years ago. They assessed 700 patients. After six months after injury, they say, okay, what's your priority of recovery? And, and uh, for paraplegic patients, the first priority to recover is sexual function. Mm. Second priority is to walk again. Just yeah. to highlight how important oh. this is for, for yeah, this Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised really, you know, because it was years ago when I attended some sexuologist congress, you know, and they actually were speaking about that, about surgeons did their job. They did their job very well. And it's just, you know, there is this uh, expectations that you should be happy you are alive, right? Yeah. What else do you want, you know? And I'm very happy we are actually speaking about it now because, I mean, things changed, right? Because what I read while preparing for this conversation, I read that actually there are some surgical techniques now that, you know, try to not to damage, you know, these nerves. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking now about the prostate, uh, prostatectomy, right? So not to damage these nerves. So there is some awareness that this is important, right? Yes, yes. It, it, there is, yes. And you, you talk about prostatectomy, about the damage of the nerve. There, there is an important uh, point is prostate cancer is, is it's a cancer. It's, it's a little bit different than the other cancers. It's not that aggressive because sometimes, of course, depends on the cancer, but sometimes the patient can wait a little bit. And what happened very often is the patient, so he has uh, indication of prostatectomy, so to remove the prostate, but he's aware about the side effects. So what happened is he keep monitoring and delaying the surgery. So Dr. Burnett, uh, our clinical advisory board from Johns Hopkins, said this very clearly. So uh, what what happened is if you delay too much, you you can uh, make it worse. You know, sometimes the patient wait one, two, three years, keep monitoring. Because it grows. It grows. It can get in the worst stage. Why he's doing this? Because he's afraid of the side effects. So our, our strategy, I mean, w- what we hope to do is to say, look, uh, now you have this device and the chance of erectile dysfunction now is much reduced. So then the patient is not only treating erectile dysfunction, but then the t- patient will treat his cancer. And as early as do he's doing the prosthetic to me, buries his recovery of cancer as well. So we treat not only prostatectomy, but we, we keep the prostate cancer uh, better treated. How do these two groups differ? So one, you know, spinal cord injury pa- patients and this, these prostatectomy patients. Good question. Actually, we see two, the product is the same. But we see two products because this population, it's very different. So, for example, spinal cord, most of them are younger patients. And the main feedback is is for recovery, erection, sexual uh, activity. For prostatectomy, we also have the on-demand aspect of the therapy. But there is an important uh, aspect of it is the neurorehabilitation. So, uh, our early data show that if you do low-intensity stimulation, and that's a, a paper article we published with Dr. Burnett from, from Johns Hopkins. Uh, we show when we do that after prostatectomy in animals, of course, but now we show in, in humor. When you do that, you speed up the nerve regrowth and the recovery. This was actually my question because I, I wanted to ask about that. I read about that. It's like, 
it makes sense, right? Because the nerves, they somehow, you know, learn again or like pick up yeah. the paths they, they, they left. How long it can last? Do, do you have any data about that? Yeah, so that, that's what we're going to see now. What, what we see in animals, it was very fast. So in, in, in a few weeks, so the, the, there was a uh, recover of this connection. So what, what we did is uh, uh, we mimic uh, prostatectomy injury, and then we do the simulation. When the animal is not treating with low-intensity stimulation, there is nothing. The, the, there is no regrowth. There is no improvement. It's like a flat. When you do the regrowth, in, in seven days, it's almost come back to the normal level. So the, the recovery is very fast. So you did this? No, Johns Hopkins did yeah, this. Yeah, we did in partnership with them yes okay so uh what happens is it's not confident uh, figure out that you do low intensity simulation you can regrow and reconnect uh, peripheric nerves that, that's known in the literature so that, that other people have shown now what we we show in in this article we did in partnership with uh, johns hopkins is we show in the same region so in the prostate in the prostate region if we do the same the same happens. So we, we, we see that we can promote the same with our device. So we place our device the patient has in, in his remote control, mode one for on-demand direction for sexual intercourse and mode two for low-intensity stimulation to rehabilitate the, the nerves. Let's go back and, and uh, speak from the beginning, like how does your device work? So first yeah. let's speak like it's Confia, right? That, yeah. So let, let, let's start with that. Sure. What does Confia mean and why you named the company Confia? Sure, yes. Confia uh, means, it, it's from the Portuguese uh, word Confia. So if you tell somebody uh, Confia, it means like you can trust. So that's the message we can uh, we want to bring to the patient. You can trust. And the principle of our technology is neurostimulation, right? So it, it was known for a long time that uh, when you Target is called cavernous on nerve. So you, if you apply electrodes on the top of cavernous on nerve, give electric stimulation, you can elicit erection and maintain. And, uh, and this is done for 20, uh, 20 years ago. Now, uh, as common happened in research, so when you look to animals and you translate to human, there is a, a, a gap. So if you look at uh, even mouse, rats, dogs, even monkeys, when you open up, you see a single nerve. So you can grab this nerve. You know, you see it, you put on top of it, you, you, and then you, you produce erection. Now, if you go to human, there is no cavernous on nerve. So you open up, there is a, a plexus in this re region, in the pelvic floor. So to, to simplify the thing, the anatomy thing, you, 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 you don't know where to place the electrode. Huh. So, and our technology is simple. So we come with electrode array. We cover the whole area. Uh, we don't know which electrodes are touching the nerve, but we cover, we make sure we cover the whole area and at least one of the electrodes will be touching the nerve. So we implant the device when the patient is awake, what we're going to do, we scan and see the best electrode touching the nerve. So, and for patient, uh, you know, patient A can be one, two, patient B can be three and four. So it's, it's going to change. There is a big variability uh, between individuals. Then when he's awake, we scan and freeze those, the best electrodes for each individual, and then he can have the therapy. And how it works is like a pacemaker. So electrodes on the perfect floor connect to a, a, a pacemaker-like device. So those all implanted. So the patient doesn't see it in the perfect floor. And then he has a remote control. There is a remote control for the doctor to set up parameters. So we can see which electrodes to be used, uh, which which intensity he has to use for each patient. Does it happen in the operating theater, or in, before, or after? After. So after we scan, when the patients recover after surgery, he can scan, uh, select the best parameters, freeze, and the patient has uh, his remote control for 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 the therapy. So going back to this first patient and the operating room, you said that was a uh, robotic assisted laparoscopic surgery yes. so it's not like a huge opening that the no, doctor does no, right exactly yes it's what uh, the, everybody asking us is not uh, is not that invasive not at all and and we knew it and it was great to see in, in the OR it's very easy to operate so basically you have you know a few holes in the belly you place the device uh, and it's easy to access because uh, the, the doctor's prostatectomy cancer is there is a big volume of uh, prostate surgery and the way to approach the prostate and the pelvic floor they know very well so they come, they place electrode. It's uh, it's in, for example in spinal cord injury. So we did some assessment. Uh, they're gonna have just you know four holes in the belly. So we place the device inside. If and 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 then the IPG, which is the stimulator, we, we place subcutaneous in the small pocket. So it's minimally invasive surgery. And right. and the patient was back home in the next day. So it's uh, it, okay. Yeah. Well, I have the battery question. Yeah. Where's the battery? How do you you know load it? Yeah. And uh, yeah. So it, it's it's the 
the the nerve stimulator is you know it's an old industry is there for for 80 years starting with the pacemaker so it's this uh, titanium uh, type of can like uh, normal pacemakers that are insulated so everything's inside and uh, you ask about the battery what what is good is our, our technology is on the edge of nerve stimulation so that the the device can be recharged by induction so every uh, when when the battery is down so the patient just need to put a patch on top of it by induction he recharges his uh, uh, stimulator how, how long does it uh, last so recharging in in uh, we're expecting now in three hours he, he can completely charge it and uh, he's going to do it every three months so is it basically months. like charging a smartphone now right exactly yes yes but not not every day every yeah. three months yeah okay ah every three months yes yeah that's a long lasting battery yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good system it's a very good system all, all the uh, we're lucky to have a, a edge technology so the for example the patient it's compatible for mri uh, so the patient today implant our device can have the normal exam which is difficult for 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 a neurostimulator because it's a big titanium can and a metallic piece but uh, this is being validated by us so we showed so uh, and, and many other things that uh, you know is compatible for robotic surgery it's important because uh, in the us for example 80 percent of uh, prostatectomy surgery are done by robotic surgery mm -hmm. so being compatible with this laparoscopic approach is, is important and also for for spinal cord injury patients doing it by laparoscopic because uh, the healing uh, process for spinal cord injury uh, patients it, it's, it takes longer than, than normal and it's very important for them to be minimally invasive so we, 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 they have a better recover so when when actually can they have that operation done for a spinal cord is elective surgery Mm -hmm. So they can come anytime. Uh, and for example, in, in, in Australia, so we're recruiting patients that are uh, coming for prostatectomy. So we implant at the moment of the uh, prostatectomy surgery. And, and in Brazil, that we're starting by the end of this month, uh, okay. uh, we have some, some uh, surgery schedule for, for the end uh, of this month. It's, um, so it's elective surgery. So we group them, they come and, and, and we do the implantation. Okay. And how, well... How do you know actually that the implantation works? Do you know this immediately in the operating room, like when you were yeah. witnessing the, uh, the operation, yeah. the we, surgery? We have some procedures, of course. We do an interpretive test. Be before implantation, we run a simulation interop, so we observe uh, erection at the moment of the surgery. And then the setup, so we set up parameters. And, and it's, a, it's a clinical study, of course. We have uh, along the, the coming years, uh, coming months, we have many endpoints and many checks. And there are standard, gold standard uh uh, measurements of uh, of erection satisfaction and so on. that's what we're going to use because you said that the patient is awake right so can he said like yeah okay it works or uh, yes. how how did that yeah, look yeah. like yes <laughs> <laughs> so we, we use the, the standard uh, what what the clinic and clinical research is is doing for for erection so uh, we measure erection so you know the, the equipments to measure erection so also the patient satisfaction so we have a classic uh, validated forms that he fill up and give his feedback uh, we have to sum up have direct measurements and indirect measurements that uh, are gold standard for so is that like zero to ten how satisfied you are yes yes, yes. okay at the first patient like what, what was this zero to ten yeah, right. We don't know yet because we're collecting the data. All yeah, right. we're, we're waiting for C, but uh, the the expectations are quite quite uh, good so far. I would say that the investigators are very happy. All right, and say so. We'll see soon. That's soon. a good sign. Then. Yeah, good sign. Yes. <laughs> okay. How do you or do you train the surgeons or do they train themselves or like what's your role actually, you mm -hmm. know, in this operating yeah. theater? Well, it, it was a teamwork because as I say, it, it, they know how to do the surgery. We don't. Yeah. We know the device uh, and, and it, it was a teamwork and we did a lot of preparation. We did cadaver study, you know, how to understand how to place the electrodes. And we did a, a phantom bodies, phantom surgery. That was, it was great to be in, in Melbourne because they have a setup of training surgery. So they, they uh, doctors from all the world are coming to Melbourne to train. It's, as I say, it's a reference center for robotic surgery. And they have a school. We took advantage of this school and, and we train in the robots. So before going to the first patient, because, you know, we want to make sure, first of all, the safety of the first patient. And make sure everything was uh, properly prepared. And uh, it was a big preparation before. And yeah, we set up uh, together with them and everything 
went very well for those two implantations in terms of procedure and uh, also the patient recover. No, th there is no side effect. Uh, the system works very well and uh, things are flowing very well. So you well. are actually setting up the protocol from the beginning. Yeah, we set up together with the investigators. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Because we have a sequence. So now they implant and then in the next uh, six months we follow up the patient, you know, checking, uh, you know, of course, safety first and then uh, the feedback, you know, so the, the effectiveness of the device, uh, satisfaction, also the partner. So we, we have a part of the study to, to understand how the partner, uh, what's the feeling of the partner about this. Random question, you know, can the patient feel the implant inside no he cannot feel it uh, it's internal so he can cannot see of course if he touches uh, the belly he will feel the the can of the stimulator is just under his skin but he doesn't see it and he doesn't feel it, it it's a, a neurostimulator it's like a pacemaker how did you actually get into this erectile dysfunction therapeutic area Yeah, well, yes. To be frank, I don't know. I think it was uh, uh, how life gets in when I get to the university. So I, I start, I did pharmacy school. Then my first research project in the pharmacy school was with erectile dysfunction. So oh. that that's how I started. So uh, what, was it like a professor actually working on it before? Exactly. Yes. Okay. There we have a program, a very good program called uh, Initiation to Research. So they take undergrad students uh, for a scholarship for, to work 20 hours a week. And then uh, you do a research as a master's student and then you do your own research. And then I came to this lab, uh, was uh, Professor Homlu late at the time. So he was doing erectile dysfunction studies in pharmacology. So I joined and then I started doing my studies there. And I uh, did many studies in erectile dysfunction, uh, again, in pharmacology. And, and there, there were other research. Uh, there was one quite interesting. We were studying together with another professor called Elena. She was studying a venons of a spider that uh, could be potential uh, venous also to treat uh, erectile dysfunction. Wow. Because you, they, they extract from this venous some compounds that could be beneficial. And then in, the, in this environment, that's how, how it starts. So it was my first research. It was interesting because I, I ended up doing my PhD in another field. I said thrombosis. Yeah. But then I had some you know, this, this beginning of erectile dysfunction after my PhD in my post uh, my postdoc, my first postdoc in the US, I also did some study in erectile dysfunction. I continued. This episode is brought to you by The X-Health Show and me. So if you like this podcast, be generous, hit follow, leave a review. That'll help me invite more such amazing guests for you. Thank you. So when you started studying erectile dysfunction, did you have any idea like where do you want to end up with that? So how could the future of erectile dysfunction treatment look like? And then, you know, on the way, How did that mm, perception of this future change? Well, I think it's uh, it was an evolution. I think usually you're looking at the problem. So, and then you're trying to figure out a solution for the problem. So, as I say, we start with pharmacology, so we're trying to find a, a, a drug. But you, you keep, I think the point is to keep the clinical problem in mind. So, because at the end of the day, you don't want to do uh, something, a research, and then to, you know, you need to have a purpose of it. So, It, it was, uh, the trigger is this. So w what you need to solve is, is the clinical problem. So if it's pharmacology, it's a good way to go. You know, it, 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 we didn't find any good one, potential ones, uh, but it, we didn't really find. And then it came with the idea of using the stimulation, which looks to be excellent. And, and we develop it and we have now have good proofs. So I think the, the if it's, uh, for example, your first question, if it's how to come to, from pharma to medtech, I think it's not really the instrument, but the problem. So we want to solve a problem, a uh, clinical problem. That's, I think, the gold uh, point of uh, coming with a clinical solution. How did you convince Dr. Dundee? to actually collaborate with you. you, you I'm taking you this Dr. Dandy as an example, actually, because I, I, you already mentioned that you already collaborate with a center in Brazil. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And also Johns Hopkins. So what actually convinced them? Yes. Uh, well, uh, I think f- first of all is uh, they know very well the need of the patients. Right. So I think they they, they like the technology. They all the, like the technology and, and, and they see the fit of the clinical need. I think that's the, the main point. What studies did you do basically before that? Because you published some papers too, right? Yeah. Yes, we, we did publish because we did an interop study, interoperative study in 20 patients that we we, we show the technology principle. So patients undergoing prostatectomy, we test uh, the device interoperatively. What, what does it mean? It means, uh, so we during operation, we had the open prostatectomy because we have a, a, a window of 10 minutes to come with the device, place, stimulate and remove. Hmm. So we are trying to understand if the array concept uh, really works. And we did 20 cases and all of them responded. It was a great result. And so we published that and, and, and that was the beginning. I mean, the, the start of, of the, I mean, we are proving the concept. Now going back to your question, uh, how we convince the urologists. Interesting, we, we never had the difficulties to convince the, the urologists. All urologists we talk, uh, they like very much the technology. I think because they see the need. It's a big need, you know, we have a, you know, thousands of patients going for prostatectomy and they know that it's erectile dysfunction is a big problem uh, uh in you know a viagra and cialis doesn't work very well for those patients and then they have this terrible solution injection and process it's it's a big big problem you know a spinal cord injury and, and other patients I, I think they see the problem very well because it's the daily life and then they see the, the technology and they saw the early concept that we did so there, there is a big potential i think that's that's the connection but but it's good i think we, we never had the we had zero problem convincing urologists actually when we present to them they're always very excited uh, to prove, and we're lucky to have you know Doctor Doctor Phil Dundee in, in Australia together with Tony Costello in Brazil, Sydney Glynn in in US, uh, Doctor uh, Burnett uh, from Johns Hopkins, and also France, Francois Juliano from Paris. So that's the we, we formed this uh, we call it Clinical Advisory Board, which is, is helping Confi very much on the clinical research side. And they are also, I can expect, researchers themselves? They are, they mm-hmm. are, yes. Uh, yeah, they all have uh, no long, they are very highly experienced uh, doctors. We're lucky, I mean, we, we we kind of went as a sniper to find the greatest doctors around the world. And I think uh, that's one of the main assets of Confio. We really managed to get the, the best people in the world to test our technology. And for example, Dr. Burnett in US, he's, uh, I would say, number one today in prostatectomy and sexual medicine. He, he was behind the discovery of a mechanism of Viagra in the past. He did a lot of study on the, the, on the nerve anatomy, you know, nerve sparing techniques to avoid problems in the of uh, when you're doing prostatectomy. Tony Costello did the development of uh, a lot of studies for robotic surgery. How was the best approach? Those are the really the guys on the top of the of the clinical research. Uh, in this area, so we, we're lucky. I mean, that's well, for sure. Lucky, so. lucky. But how did you approach them, like practically? So you, I don't know, met them at the congress, or you yeah, send them yes, an email, yes. or you send like hundreds of emails yeah. to the the assistant, colleague one, colleague two, colleague yeah. three. How did that? Well, work? yeah. Well, it starts. Uh, I, I'm a scientist as a background, so, so I was in the sexual medicine environment before. So I knew Dr. Burnett and Dr. Sidney Gliner from the conference. So we get to interact and while we develop the technology and then I, I, I talk to them in conference and then they like very much, we start. Tony Costello and, and Phil Dundee in Australia actually was a recommendation from Dr. Burnett and, and things keep going. Also, uh, Francois Julian, we met in conference, uh, you know, in papers, publications. And, and, okay, uh, and let's say it does my, make my, sense. So you knew some of them from before yes, and this from, actually from, started, yes, yeah, from the research time, yes, yes. Okay, now what did you do? Like, because you didn't work in medical devices before, right? Your, your research, it yes, was still yeah. erectile dysfunctions? But you were more on the pharmacological side. Yes, exactly. So my, my background, I, I did pharmacology. I was studying vascular biology, and big part was erectile dysfunction. So I was fully, I was in academic path. So until I came here to EPFL, I joined the lab of uh, Professor Stegiopoulos, and we were working together initially for you know producing basic research. And and then I saw here at EPFL a lot of development, and and Doctor Stegiopoulos uh, did startups before that uh, were of great success, and were developed technical technology here. So it was interesting because I was doing nerve stimulation to to evoke erection in rats, and then and then with I, what with what 
with electrodes, like oh. simple electrodes, because that's how I, I used to study pharmacology. So you could produce an action and you test drugs. Uh, then I saw the technology and, and one of uh, the technology of, for example, Professor Tejoplos uh, produced was uh, a band, gastric band that you can implant and then you control by remote uh, control. So you can expand uh, outside the patient. While I was doing these experiments in rats, I said, why Why don't we do this in humans? So we implant here and then you have external control what, what is they, they are doing. And then how we trigger the idea and then we start working around it and then the concept came. Now we did the patent and then we moved to the, the, you know, the interpretive test and things evolved. How did you two meet? Uh, to Professor Stegopoulos. Well, uh, so it was, uh, let me get, get back to that. So 2011, so uh, he connected with my former PhD professor in Brazil and uh, they had a collaboration together. So a grant proposal, so between SNF and the Brazilian agency. And and at, at the time, so it was in the US, uh, my former professor connected me, said, look, uh, I have this position, do you want to join the project? Because and you already had this idea that these electrodes could work no, alone. No, no, I, I had the idea here. Yeah, yeah. So I was studying uh, using those electrodes, doing pharmacology, and I was doing erectile dysfunction pharmacology here, and the idea came. It started here. So, but the connection was this. So we started the project together, and then we came. Uh, I came here to Switzerland to 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 be part of this project, and and we we're studying atherosclerosis, vascular dysfunction, and erectile dysfunction as well. And then uh, and then merging together because Professor Stegiopoulos is, is one of the great experts in the area here for medical device. So he did uh, uh, companies in, in the past, successful companies. For example, he, he's leading uh, Rion Medical. It's a drainage device to treat uh, uh, glaucoma. And I think it was a merger of, of this area. He has expertise and I was coming here with uh, erectile dysfunction. And then we we you know we, we matched the dots and it came with the idea of the electrode. And of course, we're not the only two uh, uh, founders So then uh, Mike Stern, he, he joined us, uh, he did a PhD with us, and then we, are, we, we became the three founders of Confia. So what's, what's his uh, expertise that he brings? M Mike, so he's an engineer from EPFL, from SCV, and then he developed his expertise here with his PhD. He's an expert in neurostimulation and erectile dysfunction. How did you actually pivot to medical devices from pharmacology? Uh, I mean, how and why? Or, you know, let, if we can go back to what did you actually do research in before, yeah. you know, coming here to EPFL Lausanne? Yeah, my research, as I said, was fully pharmacology, right? So I was testing drugs, understanding the um, biological mechanism. But at the end of the day, you're looking for a problem. So you're trying to solve a problem. So we're trying to get new drugs to treat erectile dysfunction. And, uh, new in terms of like, how would they be different from, yeah, say, Viagra? Well, you know, Viagra works uh, well. No, but the 30% of the population, it, it doesn't work. You know, mm. they, 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 they need solutions. And as I said, they need to use injections or prothesis, which are today a terrible solution. We need to provide something better for them. So you worked basically on a better Viagra or like... Before, yeah, yes, we're, we're looking for it. But as I say, while doing this study, we, I was using neurostimulation. I say, wow, why don't we use neurostimulation? Alone. Alone, yes. Then I check, of course, people tried that before. Right, so it can, because you stimulate the nerve, you cause a reaction, and then we came with this concept of the array because uh, the, what was blocking the technology to be developed is to find in the nerve, and with the array, well, now we believe we solve this problem. So we, we target. We need to be very specific in the region, in the pelvic region, to target the nerve. Yeah, I'm just like thinking now. So why why did you use this electrodes with pharmacological solutions? So uh, actually, it, it was an instrument to study drugs because what, what, what we're doing is uh, stimulation in, in animals to produce a response. And then you use a drug to potentiate or inhibit the response. That, that's how you do pharmacology. So you, let's say, you administer the drug in the, in, in the animal, you produce a reaction. And then this reaction can be smaller or bigger. So you block it. That's, that's, that's the methodology. But from the methodology, so not using the drugs, but we took the methodology and and adapt it and try to to use for their simulation for, for the methodology that became a, a, a method, a therapeutic method. And you, I read that you hold seven patents. 
Right. Could yeah. you tell a bit more about that? Yes, what are yes. these patents? Well, yeah, it, many of them in, in the vascular side. So I did patents on for treating uh, drugs for hypertension, uh, pulmonary uh, dysfunction, uh, even also alopecia. So all in the vascular side. I also have uh, patents for pharma for, for, for erectile dysfunction. Uh, yeah, and now with Confer, with the device. Uh, now, talk, talk about the patent. So we did this first patent for Confer, which is the core patent. And over time, as we developed the product, and then many other patents came. Today, with Confer, we have about six to seven patents granted oh. uh, in US and Europe. And of course, many other uh, being filed uh, we have a very strong, for Conf, we have a very strong uh, portfolio of patents today. And this is, everything works on the erectile dysfunction or like, why so many? If well, this yeah, all works. Because uh, you, you talk about Conf or? Conf, yeah. Conf, yeah. Because you, you, you need to protect many aspects. So what, what you, it's not only the, the method, for example, we start the, with the core method, but then other things appear. So you protect, you know, the way you implant, for example, as I mentioned to you, uh, nerve rehabilitation. So uh, it's one of the main aspects for prostatectomy patients because at some point uh, you recover the function. So the, uh, and then there are other mechanisms behind that. So we, we came with another patent. There is also an aspect of penile rehabilitation that avoids fibrosis to the penis. So and then we patent this aspect. So there are many aspects that come so we, we try to protect as much as we can with the patents, our, our technology. Thinking now about the patient journey, there are several healthcare providers on the way. How are you going to ensure that patients will get CoverSim? Yeah, well, that's, that's a very good question. So uh, in, it depends where you are, right, in the country and the, the health system. So what we, we, we have assessed so far, we, and they says what we have done, some countries will be reimbursed by the system, some they will not. Uh, but for example, in U.S., Today, uh, nerve stimulators are very well reimbursed. There are many codes that uh, it's a very well accepted therapy in general. And penile implants are reimbursed. Then we see the scenario for car for carvacine very well accepted in, in the two ways. There are two arms for reimbursement in the US. Codes, so there are codes that we can use, existing codes. And the other one is the patient benefit. So as they use penile implants, of course, we need to bring clinical data, solid data that will really benefit patient. So, but putting this together, the scenario there is very clear. So we see they will be reimbursed then. Now other countries uh, in, in Europe is the same. Uh, we have the, we expect that uh, in UK, Germany, France is gonna be reimbursed. But some countries, uh, it will not be reimbursed. For example, for some reason in Switzerland, uh, pen implants in injections are not reimbursed. So we see the scenario here for reimbursement difficult, then it will be uh, uh, private uh, paid uh, in, in, in those countries. For example, also we start clinical trial in Brazil, we understand the, the scenario there. Penal implants are not reimbursed there, uh, but they have big market. Uh, they, in the private, uh, the penal implants is, is a big market as well, even in those countries without reimbursement. So that, that's how we operate. I mean, we, we, I think the easiest is to get the reimbursement, so the patients don't need to pay for it or have at least a, a, or at least the patients will have a partial payment of it. So then it facilitates to the patient to, to have the therapy. But also the as we see the scenario, the, the, the private, uh, it's, it's, it's a possible way as well. well. What kind of cost are we speaking here? Like what's the, the range? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, we're speaking actually two things, right? Because yeah. the private cost would be different probably than the reimbursement one. But can mm -hmm. you compare it to anything existing now? Yes, I mean we're going we're going to be in the range of penile implants today, so we we can do that. Of course, we ha we do have a premium uh, device. I mean we expect the I mean the comfort and the feedback and and and, and effectiveness to be much better what exists there. So we expect a premium uh, device and in a similar price. That's, uh, Let me just ask you know this marketing question like how big is the market really well that's i think uh one of the most uh, attractive uh things of confidence you know, for for the investors and the, the perspective we, we have uh, let's say three main markets so it's it's spinal cord injury it's a smaller market it's very interesting and there is a big need there and that's how why we we keep big attention but the biggest market are prostatectomy patients and the generic patients those patients that are stopping reacting to viagra and we start the injections so this will talk about diabetic smoking hypertension so on so 
we are talking here about at least three billion market. Why? If it only an existing market, because if you only take a small picture, what are the penna implants are selling today? We're talking about half a billion, just penna implants. So there are today two big players, Boston Scientific, Coloplast, and they sell together most of the implants in the world. And it's a big market for just one portion. I'm excluding here all the injections that come before that. So it's really a big market uh, that we're addressing, quite a, attractive. I'm sure you've spoken with patients themselves. Like, how do they see themselves on a, you know, in the operating theater, actually, yeah. having the implant in? Because it's it's something different, right? Like, than, than swallowing Viagra. It's different. Of course, it's implantation, but you do once, right? So, we, and, and as it's minimally invasive surgery. But uh, you, you, we're not comparing to Viagra. Huh? So if the patient can take Viagra, right. it's easier. We're comparing, uh, we're trying to, to substitute here injections and penile implants. These are terrible solutions. They are painful, they are problematic. And for example, penile injections, uh, the drop-off is about 50%. Sometimes, you know, some uh, scientific reports it goes to 70% because of pain, side effects, you know, uh, inflammation. Also, it's not spontaneous, you know, the patient wants to have a sexual intercourse, he needs to prepare a needle, right. you know, go and, and swab and prepare. It, it's a problem that we, we want to come with a better solution. It's implantation, of course, but then the patient has a remote control for, for his therapy. It's much more do, do you foresee at any point he would have to remove it? Well, that's a good question also for because uh, for prostate cancer, we have this aspect of rehabilitation, right? And what to expect that we rehabilitate uh, uh, and they come with the natural functions recovery. But there is no need, as we see, to remove it. So the patient can leave it uh, with the device. You know, it's it's for life. Uh, but for those patients, we do expect them to recover the natural function. That The, the, the rehabilitation post-prostectomy is one of our main targets. Uh, we, we are putting some, some efforts there and we do believe it's going to happen. So uh, soon we're going to see. But uh, it's it's an important aspect of, uh, of therapy. Okay, and with a spinal cord injury... It, there is no option for the rehabilitation. No, because the, the problem is different. So the nerves are intact in the region where it's stimulated. The, the, the damage it's, it's upstream in the spine. So here the aspect is really more the 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 uh, on demand uh, erection for sexual intercourse. We do expect all the. Uh, other things to be improved, for example, which is very important for them because, as I mentioned, most of them are young patients. They are newly wedding or they, you know, the young couples. The ejaculations uh, is a very important thing for fertility. So, if, uh, and and we expect to have improvement there. So, I hope the data will show that, and that's we we'll put in some good expectation there. And also for urinary function, so we expect some improvement in the urinary function. Okay. Now, back to the business side, what stage are you now at as a startup? So we, we raised so far uh, over 5 million. And you're looking for more, obviously, as startups do. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, by the way, um, right now we have a, a bridge fund uh, open. So we have our existing investor joined, just joined. But, uh, well, by the way, it's a podcast. If somebody is listening and is interested to join Coffee, it's very welcome. So we, we are doing bridge finance that we want to uh, assure that the completion of this clinical trials, which, by the way, is a very interesting point for investors to come because uh, the clinical data that we're just getting now is, is a major inflection point in, in the value of the company. So we're doing right now this bridge finance. And then following the bridge finance, we go a series A and then a big round for for the pivotal clinical trial that we, we, we intend to run in the future. But yeah, so we do have this uh, bridge open. People that are interested to come, they are very well welcome to connect. Any numbers you're looking forward to now? We, we're raising to, so we raised so far in the bridge, 1 million with the existing investor. Now we want to raise at least 500k more. So when you do the first implant, uh, you need to, as is implant, so you need to be sure the safety of the patient. No, There's a long development and long validation behind that. So that's why we spent a few years you know, doing all the, the required validation. Now we have the product there. So we start the clinical trials. What we foresee now, 
we do this we are doing a pilot clinical trial right now so we want to complete this data about 20 30 patients and then we want to do a pivotal clinical trial this pivotal clinical trial is a big trial uh you know we expect about 150 patients that we, we show in a bigger population the efficacy and and then we can take this data and come for market approval then after this pivotal we go for market approval and then we launch the product okay so market approval is what a few years from now or like how do you see yeah, this so if we, if we take it's it's about two and a half years from now two and a half three years from now okay and then yeah the clearance again it needs like yeah yeah it, it's a medical device implantable device it takes time for 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 approval because you need to to raise this data then you take this pivotal clinical trial that takes time and then you go to the regulatory process, you know, the authorities request the request. It takes time to, to do, but it's a big market. It's the biggest need. So the, the, we're going in a good direction. There is a, we're doing an important thing. Even if it's longer way, it's, it's a worth way to, to go. No, no, no. Can imagine that. So could you name the, the clinics that take part in these clinical trials now? Yes, so in in Melbourne is uh, Royal Melbourne Hospital, and uh, it's one of the main hospitals in the world. So we're very glad to have them on board, together with Australian Prostate Cancer, uh, which is a reference center for treating prostate cancer. In Brazil uh, is the uh, Mario Covas Hospital, together with the medical hospital called ABC. It's one of the major hospitals in, in Brazil. In US, we're doing the clinical trial at Johns Hopkins. In France, will be the APHP system and the Saint-Petrie Hospital. That's the, the clinics we partner. Uh, we're lucky, as I say, we're lucky to have uh, the, the best clinics in the world and the best people to do the trial. Okay, and now speaking from the patient's perspective, when can patients actually expect to, to be able to, to have that device implanted? So, as I say, I think about uh, one, two years and a half, uh, three years from here. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in the market so they can benefit. Okay. Now, just for closing, I'm just thinking, you know, to, to link a bit, you know, this operating theater we started with, the first implantation, like how do you see the future of neuroprosthetics hmm. in general? Yeah, well, I think neuroprosthetics is the future. Because you're thinking about today, there are now many new technologies emerging neuroprosthetic. But if you just step back, so if you see the body, what's the body? So it's it's electricity controlling function. So you have the brain, and the brain gives electricity to neurons, and whatever you think, it's it's neurons controlling functions. So and then you go back. Okay, you have pacemakers in the heart, driven stimulation for Parkinson, cocaine plants, and then you have a sacral uh, stimulation for urinary continence. And many other things are coming. There is an interesting one is, is you do uh, a stimulation of, of uh, a tibial nerve to treat urinary, uh, urinary incontinence, oh. overreactive blood. I'm sorry. So the body is controlled by electricity. So I think in the future, there will be many places. Uh, so we're going to implant electrodes in different areas to solve specific problems. Because once you do a simulation, so you can activate a function or inhibit a function. And that's how we're going to treat the uh, uh, disease. And now the systems, uh, they are going to be improved now, you know, be better electrodes, better uh, stimulators. I think uh, there is a big avenue for many technologies to emerge in the neuroprosthetics. All right. It sounds, yeah, definitely. It sounds exciting. Yes. <laughs> so, Rodrigo, thank you very much for this uh, conversation. And uh, you guys, if you want to learn more about Confia, please go to confia.com, which is C-O-M-P-H-Y-A dot com. Thanks very much. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you very much. I'm totally impressed by the audacity of researchers turned startup founders, doctors turned entrepreneurs or ordinary parents turned healthcare innovators. People battling the battles that no one fought before for the extra health of the future. So if you see a startup posting on LinkedIn, show them some love, hit like, comment, that's fabulous. If you have a couple drops more of that altruism, follow the X-Health show, leave a review here. I'll be able to bring more of these visionaries to you. So a big thank you. You're awesome. See you next week. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. If you have any medical questions, please consult your healthcare practitioner. The opinions on the show are Alex's or her guests. The podcast does not make any responsibility or warranties about guest statements or credibility.
While the podcast makes every effort to ensure that the information shared is accurate, please let us know if you have any comments, suggestions, or corrections.